Hey, welcome football fans. It's that time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production presented to you by Humanica Media. We're available on Podbean, by the way, on your mobile device. Just go to uh, your the uh, Play Store or the App Store and Podbean. That's P-O-D Bean. And you can take us with you wherever you go. And here we are. Wild Card Weekend is over. Uh, it was kind of a dismal with my picks there. So I brought my alter ego here. This is the... Uh, wizard of playoff football that you see before you not the normal charles e smith jr i've brought the wizard my alter ego is out this is kind of a superhero of the playoffs because we have a competition going and i have to win these playoff picks so you know i had to break out the big guns against my co-host my very esteemed co-host my main man the minute the man many of you already follow on twitter at chris l sports that's at c-h-r-i-s the letter l and then sports he is a proud graduate of Rutgers University and my very favorite East Coast intellectual. Here he is from somewhere in an undisclosed location in beautiful Southern California where there was no fires or mudslides. Chris Lardieri. What's happening out there, man? Charles, thanks as always. Yeah, um, we're surviving here. It's dry, but a heck of a lot of rain dropped. Uh, Really feel bad for the people in the burn areas where it turned into mudslides up uh, towards Santa Barbara. So very thankful we can uh, broadcast this show and podcast for you today. Yeah, there we go. So you know what? Uh, so great weekend, uh, wild card weekend, of course, had some surprises. You know, the Chiefs, even though we both picked them to win, the Chiefs go in, they blow. What do they have, a 21-3 to lead? And then just yeah. get outscored uh, 18 to nothing down the stretch and lose that game to the – uh, Tennessee Titans, who were a heavy underdog. This has to spell the end for Big Red, uh, Andy Reid. One would think, and his offensive coordinator already bailed and took the Bears' job. But, uh, I mean, look, I, I, I know people who think Andy Reid's an excellent coach, and he is in the regular season. We joke about it here. But yet again, predictably, he uh, choked in January, took the play calling back, as we saw he had that nice multicolored menu type thing in front of him. And, uh, Really, I understand Travis Kelsey gets hurt. That's a big part of your offense. But, um, you know, the Patriots lost this guy named Gronkowski last year, and they managed to win a Super right. Bowl. So I don't want to hear it. You adapt. Uh, we've been saying all year when they hit the skids, and it's selfishly it's because I had him in fantasy football, why did Kareem Hunt not get the ball? Give him the ball. When, when the, he ran, the Chiefs did well. It kind of takes the pressure off of Alex Smith. And then they got Alex Smith rolling out. He looks like you know, me, a middle-aged man, trying to uh, elude the rush. I, I really don't know what they did. You know, there were a few fluky plays. Like Marcus Mariota throws an interception at Darrell Revis, really should have caught, and uh, bounces back into his hands. And them's the breaks and fluke things like that happen in the postseason. But still, um, Butker, who was a great kicker all year, misses a field goal. It was a perfect storm, but ultimately, I agree with you. Uh, at what point do you cut bait with Andy Reid? The Chiefs were far less, uh, I, I think, patient with Marty Schottenheimer, and he was a notorious playoff choke back in the the 90s. So um, I'm not sure how long he'll stay there. I'm, I'm guessing he'll be there for the 2018 season. But uh, <laughs> really, he's, he's just a guy, unfortunately, just can't get it done in the big game. Yeah, that's true. And we still have to mention, too, not only was Tennessee the underdog, but you know, DeMarco Murray, the prize running back, was not even playing. So that's even more of a handicap for them. And when you talk about adapt or die, as I think uh, the Patriots defensive coordinator, uh, Matt Patricia, he had, a, he had a shirt that said that. But that's what it comes down to. 
they have their star running back out and they play the superior team on the road, they figure out a way to get it done. So that's, that's just it, you know? And and, Rand, and Andy Reid, we talk about him. It's not about his football knowledge. It's about having the courage to do the things you need to do when you need to do them in the biggest moments of the game and of the season. And that is the thing that he is sorely lacking. Absolutely. And, you know, we saw it last night in the national championship game in college. Georgia sat on a lead that wasn't really much of a lead. And that rarely, if ever, works. And why they took their foot off the gas pedal, I don't know. Especially when you consider uh, it's not like Mike Malarkey is Nick Saban on the other side of the ball. Um, now the fact that, that he beat Andy Reid, I think, adds a little more insult to injury, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And then our hometown team here, we're out here in SoCal. So the uh, LA Rams, and I know, you know, they lost what it was 26 to 13. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons may be uh, starting to hit stride at just the right time, but the Rams, uh, when they came out, I was a little bit, when I watched the first few series, I thought it might go this way, even though, you know, I picked them to win, but then you get the feel of the game. And Farrell Cooper just, bobbling bobbling uh the the kickoff returns he's a pro bowl returner too kickoff returns punt returns and then near the end when they were trying to get back in the game he almost fumbled the third one so yeah. he's going to be kicking himself all uh, all off season but i think with the rams this is the things you see with growing pain sometimes they look at this they'll learn from it everybody needs to learn the 31 year old coach needed to learn and uh, the Rams, I think, are still on the right track, but uh, just a devastating last loss for them and their fans. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're, we're old school. We talk about this a lot. They sat their starters in week 17. Did that uh, you know, self-imposed bye week hurt them? I mean, Goff looked a little rusty. Granted, Falcons schemed perfectly for Todd Gurley, and they said if anyone's going to beat us, it's Jared Goff, and it worked to a T. But, uh, really, teams lose momentum. You know, they, they have that week off, and uh, – I really don't think it works, and we have another case study in that right there. On top of that, let's face it, the Rams D, which really um, kind of was the unsung hero of that team all year, let them down, and it looked like the the old Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman that we've known and loved over the last few years, they really just moved the ball at will. And if anything, this game could have really been a blowout. They couldn't get in the end zone on a number of drives and had to settle for field goals. Yeah, Well, I think one thing that, that happened was – the Rams, their defense was playing well to start, but they kept getting put back out on the field early in the game. And they started to get tired. And then the nail in the coffin was when Atlanta came out at halftime after the half. And that first drive they had kept that defense on the field for about eight minutes. And from then on, I think the momentum was, uh, was swung toward the Falcons and the Rams. No way they could get it back. Yeah, definitely. And then don't forget, too, all the replays that happened that got Al Michaels all fired up in the booth because he wanted to beat traffic back home to Brentwood. <laughs> yeah, there's that, too. And then, you know, the Sunday games, Jacksonville and uh, and the Bills and just what was a, a brutal game to watch. But even then, we talk about doing the right things in the right moments. And the Bills, there they are. They're hanging with Jacksonville. It's what was it, three to nothing for the Bills. I think the Bills scored first. Right. But they had the ball first and goal on the one-yard line with Shady McCoy in the backfield, and you drop back to throw three times. Even Pete Carroll wondered what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, really unbelievable. I don't have an answer. I don't know what it is other than these guys clearly outthink themselves at, at big moments like this in the postseason, and this is what separates the men from the, men from the boys coaching-wise. I mean – 
I don't care if McCoy's playing on one ankle and his other one's hobbled out there. Give him the ball at least a couple times. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is no Tom Brady. I, I don't I don't get that at all. Yeah, I know. And then we've got, of course, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, we getting some feedback there? What's what's happening? I'm good. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So New Orleans and Carolina, and uh, that was the game. You know, we we did pick New Orleans to win. Carolina seemed like they kind of uh, just kind of ran out of steam a little bit, but there again, you know, you had the big drive in the second half. Uh, Carolina's defense getting worn down a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, despite the fact that the Saints are pretty much control of this game, I mean, you got to hand it to Cam Newton. Whether he had a concussion or not, I guess we'll never know, but comes back in the game and uh, Christian McCaffrey with a long touchdown pass. But mm -hmm. uh, really, bigger picture, what the heck is Sean Payton doing on fourth and two going for it, throwing that pass? It was ultimately intercepted. I mean, punt the ball away. The right. Panthers really, other than that McCaffrey play, hadn't been successful sustaining uh, long drives throughout the game. I mean, if you ask me, Peyton dodged a bullet there. More people haven't been talking about this. I think they're lucky to win that game. Yeah, that's true. That was puzzling to me, too. And, um, you know, all's well that ends well, though. Uh, we see, and that's the thing in sports is it is kind of a myriad of, uh, of, different, of different mistakes here and there. But if you win, you know, all the sins of the past are just wiped clean. That's the way it goes. And everybody just talks about how you win. So, you know, they got uh, stiffer competition coming this week, obviously. But we'll see if they can keep it up. But that's another team, I think, New Orleans might be peaking at the right time. And I like the two-headed monster they had at running back. And I just – I find it kind of uh, just unconscionable that management can't figure out these things. Like the only time the Saints were successful and went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl was with Drew Brees at quarterback and a strong running game. Then they go away from that for what? For years – and just have Drew Brees airing it out and throwing for 5,000 yards every year and can't get anywhere. Then they get a running back, a running game again, and what happens? They're back to where they were when they were in Super Bowl form. Yeah, take notice here. <laughs> Management, please. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Seahawks and Lions should also be taking a specifically close notice on that because uh, you, you have to have I, – I know everyone thinks you have to throw to win. It's a new NFL and so forth. But if you can defend the pass or get a pass rush, you're – you're going to be successful. Look at even what the Giants did to the undefeated Patriots. It wasn't that the Giants had a great secondary. It's that they had a tremendous pass rush and knocked Brady around. You need to have a running game to keep teams on their toes. And, and honestly, I think that's really what drove the Rams this year, too. Todd Gurley had a phenomenal year. And look, Jared Goff did a complete 180 from last year. But Jared mm -hmm. Goff is not the superstar quarterback that everyone thinks he is right now. He had the help of a nice offensive line and Gurley to keep teams on their toes. When Gurley got stopped, that's when the Rams lost. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and get to pick the divisional round. But before we do, let's just get some, some general NFL stuff out of the way here. Of course, uh, as we know, one of the things leading up to the Super Bowl that everyone likes is the new Hall of Fame class is always announced the day before the Super Bowl. And, you know, they're down to the finalists now, which – they're down to uh, down to 15, then they pair that to 10, and then there's five finalists. And once the five finalists, they have those, they have to get an 80% vote to get into the Hall of Fame. And all you fans out there, if you're wondering, you, you think you have some guys who they were on your team, they deserve Hall of Fame recognition, and you wish somebody would do it, you wish somebody would say something, all you have to do, and remember, any player can be considered for Hall of Fame as 
to get into the Hall of Fame. All you have to do is write to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, give the player, give the reason, and they will at least consider it. So that's the way the process goes. And like this past year, they whittled it down to 108 players that they had in September. And that was down to 25 in November. And now in January, it's down to 15. That'll go to 10 and then down to five. But everyone gets consideration. So all you fans out there, if you want to be proactive here and not just sit around and complain that this person should be in and this person should be in, write to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Put the player's name in there. Give the reason why, and he will be up for at least consideration. Now, Chris was not he was not successful in getting Elvis Patterson into the Hall of Fame, but at least he did write the letter. Absolutely. I even you know, he, he had a, one of the greatest nicknames in football history that Bill Parcells called him Toast because he got burned so often. So, I mean, <laughs> that right there should at least got him some sort of consideration, right? <laughs> there you go. Okay, so before we get into the picks, Mr. Lardieri, we'll go ahead and get back serious NFL here. Uh, you always have a little wisdom for us. What you got this week? You know, like you said, these wild card games were pretty much snoozers and a lot of uh, bad and sloppy football. And even the Saints Panthers game, there was a lot of. Uh, <laughs> right as you say, bad and sloppy football, there the goes banner falls. It always goes for just the right time. It's a, yeah. it's a thing of beauty. But I wasn't talking about the Browns this time. That's kind of bizarre. So, anyway, um, you know, one, one takeaway I had is look, um, I've got something in common with Raider fans. I'm glad John Gruden's their coach because I don't have to listen to him announce anymore. I mean, the guy wouldn't even acknowledge he was going to be coach of the Raiders when the alert came out during the game that the Raiders were having a press conference Tuesday to announce him. You want to talk about humorless. And Sean McDonough, to his credit, look, I, I'm not saying he's the greatest announcer, but he even tried to kind of like you know, knuckle and, and, and elbow Gruden a little bit. He just wouldn't bite. I mean, just a guy who wouldn't rip anyone. Had nice things to say about the Titans when they're getting their butts kicked in the first half. I mean uh, – I'm sure he's a heck of a nice guy and a great football coach, but I I am one guy that will not miss him on Monday Night Football. I don't care who the replacement is, but he can't be as as boring and and honestly offensive or as Gruden was. So good luck in Oakland, John. <laughs> well, you have to wonder too, and I don't. I'll just say for the record, I do not blame Gruden for taking this contract. But ten years, ten million dollars, a hundred million dollars, uh, the, the total length of the contract. So that's got to be crazy. And here's the thing, too, is we got to remember, if it doesn't work out, I'm sure there's a buyout clause in there, and he's going to probably get 90% of what he was supposed to get over the course of the contract. But when you look at this, and I talk about some coaches with what I call the residue of a Super Bowl trip or Super Bowl victory, Gruden, yes, he did win the Super Bowl as coach of the of Tampa Bay back in 03, but you got to look at his overall record there. What was it? His overall record as a head coach barely above 500 so right. he's a good personality and i think he is a good football mind but i don't know how good he's going to be as a coach now and especially you look at 2003 the nfl then versus now uh, a lot of stuff has changed so it is a big gamble for the raiders but then again hey it is mark davis and we know al davis did some crazy things so the apple falleth not far from the tree yeah, absolutely not. He's a little less verbose. I'll give him that, Mark Davis. But uh, bigger picture, I mean, look, Joe Gibbs, Jimmy Johnson, after layoffs came back, they weren't the same. And and keep this fact in mind, football fans, no coach has won a Super Bowl and then won another one with a different team. So it doesn't look good for John Gruden. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go ahead and get uh, get right into it. We got the picks of the week. Last week, we were both two and two. Uh, the Chiefs 
and uh, and the Rams kind of let us down. But we're both two and two. So for the whole season, I'm 43 and 32. Mr. Lardieri is 43 and 32. So we're trying to break the tie here in the playoffs. Like I said, I've got my alter ego here, the Wizard of Playoff Prognostication. But Mr. Lardieri, why don't you go ahead and break down that first game for us? Yeah, first game of the weekend. Yeah, who would have thought the Eagles, a number one seed, underdogs at home against the <laughs> suddenly resurgent defending NFC champ Atlanta Falcons. Um, a lot of people gotten back on that Falcons bandwagon after an impressive win over the Rams in L.A., and a lot of people worried about the Eagles with the two games Nick Foles QB'd uh, for them down the stretch. Um, Got to tell you, uh, regardless of who they're playing, I'd, I'd like to think – Whoever was going to go into Philly would have an advantage. And while I'm, you know, throughout the year, I've been critical of Steve Sarkeesian in that Falcons offense and the fact that Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, just to name a few, didn't seem to be on the same page. I'm going to go with them in this one. I really think that, uh, you know, they've, they've played a nice – basically they played a couple playoff games down the stretch leading into the wild card game. And uh, I would really be concerned with Nick Foles as my quarterback. I know they've got some good running backs, Ajayi and Blunt and so forth, but uh, – I just like the way the Falcons are playing. This could come down to be a low-scoring struggle for all we know because I really don't think Foles will put points up. And unfortunately, I think the Falcons are just prone to kicking field goals. But I'm going to go with Atlanta. Yeah, I think so. And, well, I think the best thing that could happen for Philadelphia is if – I haven't checked the weather back there, but is there not some inclement weather that's going to be going through Philly at this time? I think if they can turn this into something where it is a ground game, uh, there's bad footing, it we will – it will actually benefit Philly because you talk about that two-headed monster they got, that running attack. But, you know, trusting Nick Foles, and I, I've watched him all the way since uh, since college when he was at uh, Arizona. So uh, Foles, I, I just – the idea of Foles winning a playoff game, I just can't see it. I can't see him keeping it up for four quarters, especially against a team that's been there. Atlanta's been there, and I know Atlanta, they had to qualify on the last day of the season – then they beat the Rams last week. Now they're going to Philly. But they've been there. They know what it takes. Uh, Matty Ice actually playing in the cold, so he shouldn't melt. Correct? I'm going Falcons here. I like it. You know, just being the armchair meteorologist that I am, I, I looked. it looks like it's supposed to warm up in the, the Northeast this weekend, but there is a chance of rain. So weather could, could come into play regardless. Yeah, that's true. And, and I'll tell you, that one of the keys for Atlanta, get on top of Philly first. If you can put them down by 10 points, maybe 14 points, and make them put the game on the, on the arm of Nick Foles, uh, you got a great chance there. So, Atlanta, are you listening? Hey, Mr. Quinn, Sarkeesian, get out there. Get after him early and often. Put him in a hole because that will negate that running attack. Absolutely. Okay, so next game coming up. And we'll stick. We'll go ahead with uh, the same day, Saturday, later in the day. Tennessee Titans in New England to uh, face the fresh and rested New England Patriots, the number one overall seed in the AFC. Tennessee coming off, of course, the uh, big win, 22-21 to over KC last week. So I, I think DeMarco Murray, I'm not sure if he's going to be playing this week either. I don't know how the knee is going to be, but Tennessee, a 13-point underdog here going into New England. Hey, you know, Mariota versus Brady. <laughs> Tennessee versus New England, New England playing at home, uh, all the Super Bowl rings. It, You know what? No analysis really needed here. Mr. Lardier, I'll turn it over to you. I am taking New England at home in the playoffs. That's all to it. 
Yeah, um, I'm going Patriots too. I have no analysis, but I will say uh, relative to the ESPN piece that came out about the supposed controversy in Foxborough, um, Bill Belichick will not be coaching the Giants. Tom Brady will not be playing till he's 45. And yes, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo uh, was traded away deliberately, but I don't know who ordered it. And um, I guess the next great congressional uh, congressional investigation will get to the bottom of that, right? <laughs> yeah, it may take four years, but they'll get to the bottom of it. Good. Okay, going to the Sunday game starting Sunday at 10 o'clock and uh, should be an interesting game being what happened earlier in the season. Mr. Lardieri, take it away. Yeah, the uh, Jaguars with uh, Blake, despite having Blake Bortles at quarterback, really, I mean, this is a story of one of the most tremendous defenses I've seen assembled that's uh, made a playoff run with such a bad quarterback since I think the 0-1 Ravens of uh, Trent Dilfer and Tony Banks fame. But uh, they really spanked the Patriots earlier this year in early October. Leonard Fournette ran all over them. Roethlisberger got picked off five times. Um, while I do think the Jaguars will play them tough, I think this is a different Steelers team. Uh, last I checked, Antonio Brown's expected to be back. Even if he's not 100%, he really adds a different dimension to that offense. And uh, I, I don't think the Jaguars will go in there and put the smackdown on him. I think the Steelers will come out, but by no means do I think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be a closer game. Um, if the Jaguars even had an average quarterback, I think they'd be a dangerous team to make a run this year. But this isn't their year. They do end up losing, and I'm right that the Steelers win. I, I think this is the impetus for them to either make a run at a Kirk Cousins or maybe trade for a veteran quarterback or something along those lines. Because I think this is a team with a really young, exciting defense and, and running back in Fournette that's well-positioned for years to come. But I'm going to go Steelers. Yeah, there you go. And we look at all the trouble they had just uh, taking down Buffalo last week. They only beat Buffalo 7-10. to 10. I know Buffalo is kind of underrated because they've got a pretty good defense as well. But watching that game, watching Bortles try to execute was just painful. And we got to remember when they beat the Steelers, that was uh, week five. Yep. And, uh, yeah, week five, they beat them 30-9. to nine, And that touched off an eight-game win streak for the Steelers because the Steelers knew they had been embarrassed, embarrassed at home. They hunkered down. They got back to playing football. And – you know, turn them into a much better team from that point. So Jacksonville, you struggled like that against Buffalo last week. Going into Pittsburgh, I don't see the Pittsburgh Steelers laying down for you this week. So I got to go Pittsburgh here. Jacksonville is a seven and a half point underdog. I just wonder if I was in Vegas, would I take that? Or I think the Steelers might really just blow them out of the water, though. Yeah, I mean, we can address that in the Gambler's Delight segment. Right. I know that line is, <laughs> that line has come down, so apparently the uh, professionals really liked uh, the Jaguars getting a bunch of points. So, uh, look, I know I know Bortles is really really bad, so it's it's hard to it's hard to get behind the Jaguars this week. Yeah, here we go, and now the next game, Chris. This may be the this may be the hardest game to pick out of the whole four here. Uh, break agree. this one down for us. Yeah, so the Saints, the resurgent Saints, and look, Charles, to your credit, you got the sunglasses on, and rightfully so. Back in August, you said the Saints were a team to watch out for, and a lot of people, myself included, thought you were just kind of you know, losing your mind, or maybe you just felt sentimental for Drew Brees or something, or Adrian Peterson at the time, but uh, props to you. They go into Minnesota, into the Dome, thankfully. They don't have to play outside in that frigid weather. And the uh, Vikings, led by Case Keenum, you know, one of the nicest pro athletes I've ever met. And uh, 
a great story of, of him really coming out of nowhere to lead this team to the number two seed. And uh, they met on Monday Night Football in week one this year, and the, the Vikings beat them. Keenum was not the quarterback at the time. It was Sam Bradford who actually got hurt in that game. Uh, you got two teams really that I think have quality defenses that are really led by uh, two of the most excellent coaches in the NFL, in my opinion, Peyton and Zimmer. I, I think this is the game of the week by far. I've been going back and forth on this game. I had to consult my local in-house expert, my son, and <laughs> Uh, for whatever reason, I like the fact that the Saints can run the ball, and if they can't, like the Panthers took the run away completely from them last week, well, old man Drew Brees will beat you. And and one of the most underrated players in the NFL, keep an eye on him Sunday, Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the Saints. I mean, he's had something close to 200 catches over the last two years. He makes acrobatic catches. He drives secondaries nuts. Um, I'm going with a close one. I'm going to say the Saints win. Um, I know my wife's got family in Minnesota. They're going to be ticked off with this pick, but – trying to be objective here, and I just cannot get over the overlying theme of the NFL. A team will not play and win a Super Bowl in their home stadium, and I don't think that will happen again this year. So I'll go see the upset. There you go. Well, you just have to tell wifey's family that you're making a pick, a professional pick, uh, but with your heart, let them know that your heart is with the Minnesota Vikings, but you think that the Saints are going to be on top. Uh, and you know what? My One of my childhood friends has been a – Minnesota Vikings fan since 1971. We went to elementary school together. We're still friends to this day. And I hope he doesn't hate me for this. But for all the reasons you mentioned, I'm going to go with New Orleans as well. Also, you got the experience factor with New Orleans having been there before. Uh, Drew Brees, you got Peyton coaching and everything. So, yeah, I just I think it leans in, in favor of New Orleans. I love that Minnesota defense, though. I love that defense and on offense. I love Adam Thielen. I just don't know what to make of Case Keenum, who couldn't make a go of it in L.A. He couldn't make a go of it in Houston, but now he's found a home there in Minnesota, but he's got Teddy Bridgewater breathing down his neck, who was the heir apparent and was supposed to be, was supposed to really take them into the future. So I don't know if Case Keenum has actually finally developed as a quarterback, or if he is a Matt Castle or Matt Flynn type here. I don't know, but I'm going with New Orleans in this game. And you know what? With that said, Chris, why don't we kick around the Case Keenum, Matt Flynn, Matt Castle thing a little bit before we decide if we have a gambler's delight pick here. Okay, I'll give Case Keenum this. At least he's taking a team to the playoffs, unlike the other two. And uh, at some point, I'm guessing he'll make some money to be a uh, – a nice backup, or who knows? Hey, maybe you could find a home in Jacksonville, right? I think he'd be a uh, much much needed upgrade over Bortles. So um, that that's where I weigh in on the other ones. The fact that uh, Castle's still bouncing around the league uh, says a lot. You know what, moms and dads? I know you don't want your kids to play quarterback, but if you can get them just to be a backup, they'll have a nice long career, and make a nice amount of money. That's true. Just ask Jim Sorgi. <laughs> How much did he make backing up Peyton Manning for, what, six years and never stepped foot on the field except for in preseason games? Yeah, he was a glorified clipboard holder. Yeah, there we go. Mark Herman back in the day who played behind Dan Fouts. Wow. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, that's got to be the best job other than long snapper. Yeah, I mean, long snappers get hit at least a few times a game. Well, the, the guys, but remember, the defense is not able to line up over the center. They have to be to the side of them, so they don't even get hit. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's got to there's gotta be something. Something can fall on them, remember, right? Or someone can jump over them illegally and spike them in the back. 
Hey, Cam Chancellor's one of my homies, all right? So let's let's leave him out of there. So, hey, there's the picks of the week. So it should be a pretty exciting weekend, capped off with what should be the best game of the week, which is supposed to start at 1.30 on Sunday. And, you know, from time to time through the regular season, we did it every week. Last week, we did not really have a pick. But a gambler's delight pick, if someone had 20 bucks and then had a sports book in Vegas, you know, we do suggest you gamble responsibly. So, Chris, do you have a gambler's delight pick this week? Yeah, reluctantly I do. In addition to the, the Saints upset, which I think is a, is a valuable play right there, um, I just think the Jaguars are getting too many points. And I think at some point that line could sway back again. But worst comes to worst, if you were to look at tonight's lines, uh, they're getting seven and a half. I can see this being a seven-point game in the Jaguars covering. I could see even seeing them keeping it close like they did inadvertently with Buffalo. But uh, – that defense is too much, and I think they will force turnovers. Look, Ben's not the Ben of old, and he's been prone to turnovers, and Jacksonville's got one of the, if not best, secondaries in the league. So uh, take the points. At some point during uh, early in the week, it was as high as nine, nine and a half. If you see that line go back up, jump all over it. Um, not going to be uh, gutsy enough to say the Jaguars will win, but I think they'll make you some money. Yeah, there we go. So you know what? I'm going to have to go to – I'm going to go to Philly. Here. Actually, I'm going to go with Atlanta in Philly. Atlanta minus three. I just, we haven't seen Nick Foles play full games of football for a long time. So people forget just how bad he can be. And Atlanta's defense, they're pretty quick. I think they're going to force him into some, some bad throws, some bad decision making, which he is prone to. So Atlanta minus three go ahead give those points because i think they beat philly by a pretty good margin now philly fans i know if carson wentz was in there there'd be a whole different ball game but unfortunately he isn't so uh that's my gambler's delight pick i'm gonna go with atlanta minus three i like it picking a favorite yeah so well you know what with uh with jacksonville though when you talk about big ben throwing interceptions we got to remember he did. I mean, it's it's big. It seems like he throws them at really inopportune moments sometimes. But he only had 14 interceptions on the season. Five of those came in that game against Jacksonville. So just a disaster all around that really kind of skewed his stats for the season. Yeah, I'll take my chances. Okay. All right. There we go. So before we go ahead and sign off here, remember, everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And you can listen to all of our shows, past, present, and future, on Podbean. Go ahead and download that app to your uh, to your mobile device and take us with you wherever you go. Uh, Mr. Lardieri, before we get on out of here and get prepared for another great weekend of NFL football, uh, you have some final uh, parting words of wisdom for all the NFL public out there? Yeah, I do. I'm going to tie it into last night's national championship game and uh... – you know, tale of two coaches right there. You've got Nick Saban, who I consider to be the Belichick of college football, and he uh, coached under him at one point in the NFL, so it makes a lot of sense. And then Kirby Smart uh, from Georgia used to coach with Saban. I mean, um, Kirby Smart is a classic example of what not to do and playing uh, not to lose and sitting on a lead and getting conservative suddenly. And uh, you look at uh, Saban, Jalen Hurts didn't have it at halftime. All right, let, let's pull him out and put a frosh in who's never played before. Was 18 years old. And uh, <laughs> uh, long story short, as you all know, the the Crimson Tide win. But at the end of the game, watching it with my kids, who were as stunned as I was, I'm glad I let them stay up at the end to see it. Even though I knew inevitably Alabama would probably pull it out, just I didn't think it'd be in that fashion. It really struck me that the other team on the field 
is just up the road from the Falcons. They wear red and black, and they had a colossal choke in a championship game. So <laughs> congratulations to Atlanta and, and Georgia. You know, you've got the Falcons. You've got the Bulldogs. Just a, a fitting end there. Two teams that uh, really don't learn their lesson about sitting on leads and taking your foot off the gas. Put your opponents away, football coaches. That's all I've got. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. So for the ever-eloquent Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for watching NFL Football Talk. We will see everybody next week. Enjoy the games. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh.